0: In, uh, Revelation chapter 5 and this is uh, John has a vision and in his vision he sees Jesus and Jesus the Holy Spirit portrays Jesus in a certain way it depicts him as a lamb and I just wanted to read this And then we can meditate on why the Holy Spirit did that. In chapter 5, verse 1, it says, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book written inside and on the back, sealed up with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look into it. And I began to weep greatly, because no one was found worthy to open the book, or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome, so as to open the book and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne and the four living creatures and the elders, a lamb standing, as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth, and he came and he took it out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne and when he had taken the book the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb each having one harp and a golden or golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints and they sang a new song worthy art thou to take the book and to break its seals for thou wast slain and purchased for god with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation And you have made them to be a kingdom of priests to our God and they will reign upon the earth. Verse 13 also says, And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth under the the earth and on the sea and on all things in them I heard them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. So, in this vision, John has a picture of a scroll with some important things written on the front and on the back. And John perceived that it was necessary to, to read these things. The scroll. Who was able to break open the scroll to, to read what was in this book? And no one could open it. There's, no one had authority. No one had power to do that. Except, speaks of the Lamb who was slain. And it says that the reason that he was able to open it was because he has overcome, verse 5, so as to open the book and its seven seals. And verse 5 talks about how he overcame, and verse 6 describes Jesus as a Lamb. And this is what I was thinking about, was how Jesus got the victory, was by becoming like the Lamb. taking on on that lamb nature. It says, A lamb as if slain. He was standing there, and he saw a picture of Jesus, like a lamb, as though it had been slain. Yet it had seven horns, which represents power, perfect, all power, and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. And when they saw him, they fell down on their faces, and they worshipped him. Now it's interesting, because when John was preaching the gospel, and... They came to him and asked him who he was. He said, "Are you the Christ?" He said, "No, I'm not the Christ." And then when Jesus came, he said, "Behold, the Lamb of God, takes away the sins of the world." John proclaimed that Jesus was like the, he was like a lamb. You know, we we hear this message, the Lamb of God, but you know that that's the first time they would have heard it. And, and John saw this vision, right, a picture, of Jesus like a lamb. <clears throat> so was thinking about the lamb, and the lamb is there's certain characteristics of a lamb that that explain why Jesus was depicted as a lamb and key ones are that that the lamb is very uh, helpless of itself, very defenseless, very, uh, uh, it has this gentle, meek kind of nature. It doesn't uh, push or fight, it has a nature where it just will follow, will listen. A lamb needs a shepherd because the lamb by itself is not a very smart animal it will uh, easily go straight. And, and if one lamb goes in one direction, all, all the other ones will follow it. I was reading about the lamb and the nature, and they said in this one incident, uh, a few years back, it was in Turkey, there, there was a, a flock of, I think it was 200 or 400 lambs, sheep, and one of them tried to cross a, f- a 15-foot ravine, and it fell into the ravine, and all the other ones followed it in, and they all fell in and they all died. Because it's their nature, is to follow. But the key, the problem was was that there was no shepherd there leading. So if there's a shepherd, they'll follow that shepherd and there'll be protection there. But just the, the lamb nature is totally different. It's, they're not like a smart animal. They're you know, not like a coyote. or you know, We see in the uh, the, 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 uh, the deserts there in Africa, some of these creatures, these, uh, even the hyenas and all these different animals, they're so smart and they cunning and they hunt in packs and all this, but the lamb is not like that. It's very defenseless, very helpless. Yeah, Jesus isn't seen as... Some of these other creatures, we it does talk about him as a lion in the sense of, you know, the king, right, the power. But yet at the same time, as he's depicted as a lion, he's also depicted as a lamb. And yet it's the lamb that's really the, the key part of who Jesus is, because it says that he was like a lamb as though slain, you know, like a, that that was made a sacrifice. So obviously, that was for them was they could understand, because in the Old Testament they used the lamb as a as an item of sacrifice, as an offering. Where they, killed the lamb to atone for sin and that's what Jesus came to do to sacrifice become a sacrifice for us but more than that even that and also the nature of the lamb teaches us how he was, was an overcomer he overcame because he became the sacrifice but not just on the cross every day and continually he was he was like a lamb totally crucified dead to himself he was just he didn't fight in his own strength he didn't have fight in him his fight was was from the spirit he spoke with the words of the Spirit, and when the Father told him to speak, if he came against religious people, he spoke that way, but, but really he was like a lamb. And so he was an overcomer, and that's how he overcame. And so John, in John chapter 1, let's read in John chapter 1, to see how Jesus he became like this lamb. He became God incarnate in flesh. And when he took on that nature, he became a greater witness than all the witnesses before him because no one else was like the lamb. Jesus was the only one who was the lamb. There was other prophets and great men before before them, but when John spoke, he said, Behold the lamb of God. There was no other lamb of God. And I think there's something about that. In John chapter 1, talks about John, how he came, and he was not the light, but he came to bear witness to the light. So John, he had a powerful message, and people followed him, but he wasn't the one that gave the, the life and the light. He just had a witness of God, and he pointed to who the life and the light came from, and that was Christ. In verse 14 he said, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten from the Father, it says, full of grace and truth. That is what distinguished Jesus was that, it says here, he was full of grace and truth. That, to me, is what it describes Jesus as being the Lamb of God. It says here that John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received. And what is his fullness? It says, And grace upon grace. That's what Jesus came. He came with truth, but he also came with the grace. That was why he brought to us this new covenant this cup that he wanted to bring us which was of his blood that lamb that was slain that he brought us this grace that came through jesus christ that didn't come through anyone else it says here verse 17 that the law was given through moses but grace and truth were realized through jesus christ so there's a distinction there so moses had the law and moses had god's commandments and he was able to lead god's people as as a shepherd he himself was was a shepherd And so he led God's people. We see even Moses' nature, though he was the most humble man of his day and age, of all the earth, it says, in, in those books. Yet Moses, we see, in one incident, when God told him the first time to strike the rock so that water would come out because the people were grumbling and complaining, he did that. But the second time, the Lord told him to speak to it. And in his frustration, it says that he struck that rock and the water still came out because God still fed the people <clears throat> God still used his ministry and his gifting to feed the people but he still sinned in it and because he sinned in it God says you're not going to enter the promised land and so this is a great picture for us of how there's a distinction between Moses and Jesus because even though Moses was a man of God holy man of God powerful and he kept God's word we see that he didn't have grace in the areas of his life the same as we know that Jesus received the fullness of grace and this is what we can have through Jesus Christ <clears throat> the nature that he had which was that lamb nature and the Lamb nature is one that doesn't defend itself and fight back or get frustrated when situations arise when the Lord allows our character be, to be tested to see how we respond to people even if we know that we have the right way and, that, and they're wrong and we're right. Think about Moses, right? Moses had the instruction from God. He knew these people were disobeying. He was frustrated with them. And so in his frustration the Lord tested him told him, now you speak to the rock. Now is not the time to use the rod, I told you the first time to do it. now I want you to speak and in his frustration he sw- he struck out with the rod, and the Lord says, You have not regarded me as holy before the people, so his testimony before the people was not good, and the Lord showed Moses this and, and, and the severity of it by telling him that you're not going to be able to enter the promised land because that's how serious this was that he spoke out he he reacted in his frustration without grace, and that's what the Lord wants us to learn is when the times when we react it usually comes out of our mouth or whatever Moses he struck out he actually spoke how long should I put up with you people he spoke against the people in his anger and they saw that but that was not the testimony that that Moses was supposed to give of God because he wasn't depicting God in his holiness but Jesus when he came as a lamb he was different he allowed himself to be slain when when people were reviled against him it says in 1 Peter 2 21 and 22, that he never reviled back. He never once reviled back because he wasn't like going to be like Moses with truth, being right, but speaking harshly and letting the guile come out. He, he spoke with grace. And the Spirit of God did the convicting. In fact, he says, I don't come to condemn. He said, my word condemns. The word that I speak will condemn. So he didn't have to add anything to God's word. He never did that. There's a temptation sometimes when we, we know the right answer, we know something, we see something wrong, and we add to it in our flesh. It's sin, because it's not with grace. And that's why we need to remember Jesus in John, chapter 5, how he overcame because he was a lamb that was slain. Totally crucified to his own desires and to his... Because when you're a lamb that's slain, you're like one who trusts God. It's when you don't trust God. It's when Moses fell in unbelief and he got frustrated with the people. These people never get it. And he got upset. Because he didn't have the grace of God. Because grace comes through faith. We get grace when we believe. And when we lose faith and we get frustrated, we lose grace. And then we might have the truth, but we won't have the grace. And so what will happen is we'll have what Moses had, which is old covenant, law, religion. We won't have that new covenant, which creates the life that Christ had. And so it says here that when we look to Jesus and we follow his example, we can't follow Moses' example anymore. That's why someone asked me this week, They said, what was the purpose of the transfiguration? asked me this question I said well from what I see is first of all they had this vision they were up on the mountain Jesus took Peter James and John the three of them and Peter when he saw Moses and Elijah with Jesus he says let us make three tabernacles one for you one for Moses one for Elijah and it says that the cloud came and Moses and Elijah disappeared and all they saw was Jesus and during that time it says they heard a voice from heaven saying this is my son listen to him and I put the emphasis on him this is my son listen to him and I said, you know, I think the purpose of the, the transfiguration was, first of all, that they could see the glory of Jesus, who they were. They were hanging around with Jesus, but can you imagine, like, hanging around with the Son of God, how you would take that for granted after a certain period of time, when he's just talking to you like a man? You're forgetting that this is the Lamb of God who, who was going to take away your sins. He hadn't died for them yet, but this is the Son of God. It seemed like they had a revelation of it, but yet it seems like that when Peter saw Moses and Elijah, he was more amazed about Moses and Elijah than he was about Jesus. And so I was explaining this. It's like, can you imagine? You'd see, you're hanging with Jesus, and also Moses and Elijah somehow, I don't know how he knew, but it says that Peter didn't know what he was saying. But probably in his spirit, the, he perceived that that's who they were. He would never have seen them, but he perceived this as Moses and Elijah, and he was excited. Let's build some huts, you know, let's have some fellowship. Moses and Elijah are here. And he's saying this when Jesus is there. What is Moses and what is Elijah and compare it to Jesus? But I can imagine myself being in the situation doing the same thing. Because I would think, wow, this is great. You know, these, these are the guys that parted the sea, called fire down from heaven. Meanwhile, Jesus is sitting there, just wondering what, you know, and, and the father, he speaks, is, this is my son, right? Listen to him. And why did he do that? He did that because he knew that in Peter's heart, there was that tendency to look to men, right? Great men. And why did he do that? Because he had that in his heart because he had something in his heart there were some areas of pride in his heart where he, that glory in CG last week we talked about how we don't want the witness of men we want the witness of God and so the witness of God was there for Jesus that the father spoke, this is my son he had the witness of God but Peter, he was more concerned about the witness of men and he saw men <clears throat> but those men are nothing in comparison to Jesus because Jesus was a lamb that was full of grace and truth but Moses and Elijah, they, they were sin there they weren't perfect men They had truth, but not the fullness of grace. But through Jesus, we see here that it says in verse 16 that of His fullness we have all received in grace upon grace. That means that we don't have to lose our tempers and speak in the flesh. and We can can grow in that. There will be times when we've sinned. But we don't have to be like Moses where we sin like that and we can't enter in. We can't enter that land, that promised land where God said, Moses, I want you to enter in. We can say, Lord, I need grace over my attitude I want to have a lamb nature. I don't want to defend myself. I don't want to be like one that always has to be right, always has to get the last word, always has to defend myself. I can just, with a humble nature, just, you know what, it doesn't matter. It's not worth the argument. It's not worth the debate. It's not worth the frustration. I can pray. I can believe. I can, I can rather be an example to them of how I can rather be wronged. It's like when Paul said to those Corinthian believers who were suing each other, he's like, you guys, you're a terrible witness. You've already failed you already failed the test. He says, you should have rather be wrong. Couldn't there have been some wise brothers among you that just could have resolved that? Rather than going to court against unbelievers, in the midst of unbelievers, brother against brother, it's a really bad testimony. It's the same as when we speak out or we hurt one another or uh, a little one in Christ we offend or whatever and and someone else is watching. It's like when, that example we've heard in the Genesis when uh, Abraham and Lot, it says their herdsmen were having strife amongst each other. It says, and the Canaanite was in the land. You know, we learn from that lesson that there's people watching, right? And it's a bad testimony. It's like when we say we're a guide to the blind, yeah. We blaspheme in the name of God, and there he is. People see that out of our heart, the scowl comes out, <clears throat> and there's no grace there, and people see it, and it's a bad testimony. His, the Lord's will is that we can receive this grace upon grace. Now it says here in, uh, <clears throat> you know, it says about. Uh, Philip, when Jesus was getting his first, first converts, they saw the lamb, they were, they began to follow these other lambs. You know, like, Jesus, he was a lamb, and the, the lambs, they like to stick together. I, this is another thing I write about the lambs, is that their nature is they like to be in flocks, because there's something in the nature that just there's a unity amongst them. They get fearful when they're by themselves, or they, they get insecure. And if they do that, they're also in danger, because when a lamb goes astray, then then the, the wild animals, the prey, can easily get them. And there's something about when they come in packs like that, it's actually harder for the prey to focus in on nail one down. There's protection in being like that. So the Lord designed that they would be together like this in one and have a shepherd. And that's how it is. We need to go to Jesus as our example. And in that, there's a unity and there's a protection as we come and gather together and grow in grace together. Now here, Jesus is calling, and the other lambs are following. Peter, Andrew, and Philip here. God <coughs> says... Verse forty-six. And Nathaniel said to him, "Can anything good?" He says, "Look, we found the Christ, the one of whom Moses and the law and the prophets are speaking about." So they were following the law and the prophets. But look, it this is the, the law and the prophets are pointing to someone greater. That was Jesus Christ. And so they said, "He's coming." It's Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel says, "Can anything good come out of that place?" And Philip said to him, "Come and see." And Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him, and said to him, "Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Here is here is a sheep." With an a lamb nature, Nathaniel says there's no guile in him. That's like that's what comes out when when your character is tested in areas of frustration and temptation. And that was that was quite a testimony, I think. That Jesus could say that. An Israelite in whom is no guile. Think about that. Think about the times when the guile comes out and you see that in yourself. Jesus saw one like that, and he said, This is the true Israelite. That's who he he called Israel to be his people, right? to be a sheep. And he said, that's a true Israelite, that's a true sheep, is what he was saying. Most of Israel went astray. In the days of Moses, they, went and they, they were destroyed in the wilderness. But here there was a few, one like Nathaniel, who had no guile inside of him. He must have been really uh, dead to himself in those areas. He must have had that meek, submissive, just a humble nature. I think of a, a humble person, when I think of Nathaniel, Just because when you have pride inside of you, that's when the guile comes out, I find. When I'm proud, when my heart is proud, I find so quickly that it just spews out. But when I feel like the Lord's broken me, and I'm, I have so much more grace with people. People can say things to me, I don't get you know, stirred up like that. You find that. When you're in a situation and uh, when you're tested and things don't go right, say it's at work or somewhere or a situation and it's all going wrong, if you're proud, when that happens, you'll find the spewing out just the scowl. But if you find in a situation, say it's a competitive situation, it doesn't matter, you just, I find that's a test for me. Situation. Sometimes we do it jokingly, but all of a sudden well, comments come out. Guile. That's not grace. It's not the grace of God. He wants us to have grace on our speech, especially around those who are outside. This is God's will. <clears throat> now let's see how we can get this grace in Romans chapter 5. Mm. Romans 5 verse 1 therefore having been justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ I find that uh, one of the biggest evidences of when we're walking in grace is that peace comes on you think about when you are frustrated and you lose your grace what happens? you lose your peace immediately no peace that's what happens to me when you don't have grace, you don't have peace. Because the grace, this, the grace is the Holy Spirit. See, the Spirit... When Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, He used two words. The Spirit of truth and the Spirit of grace. Right? Hebrews chapter 10, I believe it's verse 29, talks about the Spirit of grace, which is the Holy Spirit. It's also the Spirit of truth, but it's both. It's one and the same. So Jesus had truth and grace. You can't have grace and then not have truth. You need to have truth because you can't just compromise... Say, well, I just, uh, we won't say anything this time, we won't say anything this time. Meanwhile, there's sin, there's justice. But when there's justice, and there's not mercy. If you separate mercy from justice, all you have is the law. And that doesn't change people, because people don't see Jesus' in. But when you have mercy and grace and truth, people see someone with integrity and someone that has a character, that has the fruits of the Spirit in it, that Jesus had. It draws people. And so when you're justified through faith, when you come to true faith in God, because when, when you're in faith, there's, you're not putting your confidence in yourself. Your pride is stripped away. You realize you can do nothing. You come to faith in Jesus. You look to the Lamb, and you realize that that is the way. Jesus died for me, and I need to die with Christ. And then you come to faith, and now you get peace inside. And when you're in that place, like the woman who wept at Jesus' feet, what kind of judgment, what kind of guile was in her? And she was just full of grace, weeping, just washing his feet, just, Flowing, grace flowing on her. But then Simon, the Pharisee. Absolutely no grace. Lots of truth. A lot of discernment. You could discern this woman was a sinner. And it was right. She was. Had been. But he had no grace. And what did Jesus say? Which one? Which one loved more? The one that had her sins forgiven. The one that had grace. There was no pride in that woman because she knew who she was. So nothing to say. She had no comments. No judgments. Simon had lots. Because he had no grace. And he had no grace because his heart was proud. Because he had humbled himself and that's why we need to come to Jesus as our example <clears throat> and it says here that through Jesus whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into the grace you know, we humble ourselves and we look to Jesus and we believe that that is the way the way is to be like a sheep a defenseless sheep a helpless sheep and then all of a sudden the grace comes and we stand we don't fall anymore the Lord takes away the grace because we're not walking by faith and we're walking in pride and the end of that is the hope of the glory of God. That's basically the, being transformed in the nature of Jesus. The, the divine nature, where we receive the glory of God, Christ in us. So, we need to walk by faith, to receive that grace, and we need to also know that we're going to be tested in verse 3 through tribulations. Because that's how these things are going to come in us, right? It says, we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. That's, where, that's the test. It's like the, the school test, right? how are you going to know if you're going to persevere? Moses was tested when God told him this, to strike the rock and then to speak to the rock. That was, a, that was a test for him. God wanted to see what was in his heart. It came out. So you find yourself in a situation and it comes out. You've got to repent. you got to look to Jesus. And then, <clears throat> when you learn perseverance, proven character comes out. That's the nature. The character is the lamb nature that we want. Well, we, we learn to be slow to speak and quick to listen. And that proven character will produce hope because you'll see that Jesus is being conformed in your, into you. His nature is being worked in you, and that brings hope that we're being changed. That's what a Christian should look like. He should, he should be conformed more and more into the image of the Lamb nature. Jesus said, "Come and learn from Him, humble and gentle in spirit." That's the nature we want. And It says that hope doesn't disappoint. There's so many things that disappoint. We put our hope in the flesh. It's always disappointing. Mm-hmm when we have the nature of Jesus, it gives us hope. Because you feel like you're pleasing God. When the Father said, this is my Son, I'm well pleased. You get that witness from the God when you have His nature. When you see that. More grace in your life. More grace. And it's poured out through this. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given us. That Holy Spirit is the Spirit of grace. We need of His fullness. <clears throat> Oh, <clears throat> Colossians chapter 2, it says here, it says that through the precious promises we can be partakers of His divine nature. That divine nature, we, we need to receive it through precious promises. So we got to go to the scripture, <clears throat> we need to read about it. Peter wasn't going to get the grace from looking at Moses and Elijah anymore. Peter was going to get the grace by looking at Jesus. And Jesus told him the way to get that is to lay his life down. He had to lay his life down. That's what a lamb that is slain. When I picture a lamb that was slain, I was reading in John. It says, I lay my life down on my own initiative. He said, I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up. So that's the lamb nature. You, you choose to lay your life down. But that's not just in a big situation. That's in. Small situations where you have to say something. We have to react. It says here that we need to look to Christ. Chapter 2. These Colossians were looking to uh, the, the philosophy of the principles of men. <clears throat> looking to men. Rather than looking to Christ. And it says here, if you have, verse 6, if you have, therefore you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in Him. That's like Follow what the lambs do. They they follow each other, and they need to follow. We need to follow our shepherd. They stay together, being firmly rooted, and now being built up in Him. That's our shepherd, and established in our faith. Just as you were instructed, and overflowing with gratitude. Or, I think that's also uh, some say grace <clears throat> or thanksgiving. That's part of grace. I think grace manifests with a thanksgiving heart. You find yourself thankful a lot. You know that grace is working. You find yourself grumbling a lot. Not, not walking in grace. Find your, find yourself miserable, upset, frustrated about things. Or if you read about when the Holy Spirit fills up a person, in Ephesians it talks a lot about thanksgiving, flowing out, right, grace, gratitude, it's a heart of gratitude. I never was a grat- person of gratitude, being grat- showing gratitude, thankfulness. That was not my nature at all. I had to work. That, I asked Jesus, help me to be thankful. I started reading about this in the, in the Word, and I said, like, Lord, I don't see that in me. It's not. I'm always a complainer. I found myself be more of a complainer. That's my nature. That's all of our nature. We complain. We that's what we do. But someone who's full of grace and truth is someone who's. Just, you think of a if you describe what a gracious person looks like, someone who's just full of grace. You'd say, man, they're just joy and peace, thankful all the time, happy, just blessing others, encouraging people, full of grace, right? You think that's what a grace looks like? Just a person who's just joyful to be around. Are you like that? Are you like a person that's joyful to be around? That's the will of God. It says, verse 9, For in him all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete. This is the fullness. That Jesus, the reason that Jesus was full of grace and truth is because the Spirit of God was resting upon him, continually dwelling in him. And this was the promise in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit would dwell in us. Not just one day of the week, like in the Old Testament, you know, on the Sabbath, when they would come together and the glory of God would come down. Or Moses, the Spirit of God, rested on him as a prophet. So, but there was times when you wouldn't have the grace of God with Him. But Jesus continually had the grace. It said He grew in grace and in wisdom of God. And the grace of God was upon Him. The grace of God was upon Him. The grace of God can be upon you and can fill you up when you walk in the Spirit and live in the Spirit. That's why it says here, in Him you have been made complete. That means there's no reason for us not to have access to the grace of God. It says, in Him you are also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands and the removal of the body of the flesh. That's the old nature that wants to grumble, that wants to complain. When you receive the Holy Spirit of grace, that nature is circumcised. It's just put to death and we continually put it to death. It's been buried with Jesus. And when you were made dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of flesh, He made you alive together with Him. And He cancelled out that debt which was hostile against us. And He disarmed the principalities and powers. <clears throat> In chapter 3, goes on. It basically talks about the inner nature. Uh, chapter 2, it talks about coming to Jesus to receive the fullness, to get the grace, where you come out from the law. That's what chapter 2 is talking about. Where you come out from that law, from the things that are commandments and teachings of men, looking to men, where you come to Jesus and listen to Jesus. And it says here, oh, if you've been raised with Jesus, keep seeking Jesus. Set your mind on Jesus, the Lamb. Remember, the picture of Jesus is a Lamb that is slain. And when you look to Jesus, then you have power to put to death, verse 5, the members of the body, which are immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. So, when these things are working in you, they're robbing you of grace. And so, you won't have thankfulness, you won't have patience with people, you won't have love for them, you won't have consideration for them, you won't have those things, because the flesh will take over, it robs you of those things. But when those things are put to death in Christ, and you look to Jesus, He gives you grace, and those fruits... In turn, come and start to work inside of you. It says verse 7 that we once walked in those things. See verse 8 here. It says, Now put aside anger, wrath, malice, slander, abuse of speech. You see, this is what comes out of the mouth. It's the guile. That's the guile that Jesus said about Nathaniel. I say, you don't have any of that in you. Why? Because he, this man was living in the fear of God. He, had, he was following some kind of good example. He was listening to the Holy Spirit. His conscience, at least at the time, and he was putting aside the things that it says here. It says, Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with his evil practices. It says, And put on the new self. That's the Lamb nature. It says in Romans that the Lamb nature is one that is... We can be slaughtered all day long. It doesn't matter. People can can badger you, frustrate you, all day long. It's like, you're supposed to be like a lamb, led to the slaughter. That's the nature. That's how you know if you got it. It's hard when people pester you like that. I mean, a few tests in one day is enough. But can you imagine, like it says all day long, like a, a sheep slaughtered all day long, just continually. And you're just dead to yourself. Just don't lose your peace. You don't have to lose your peace. You can have peace. Can you imagine how much peace and joy you'd have at the end of the day? Just be filled with peace and joy. It doesn't matter what people say or how they react. You can pursue peace with men and every it says, do that. Because you can't see the Lord without pursuing peace with men and sanctification. That's that's grace and truth there. Sanctification is turning from sin. Worldliness, that's walking in truth. Peace is the part where you have grace in your heart. where You, you can talk to worldly people. And you can talk to people who, who despise you and say things about you, but it doesn't make you react in a way that, that is not pure. You can react in a way with grace. You can still have peace. It doesn't bother you. So you can put on this new man, and you can lay aside the old one, which is being renewed to the image of Jesus. now it says in verse 12 and so as those who have been chosen of God holy and beloved put on a heart of compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience that's the lamb nature that's it's basically depicting Jesus that's who he was the heart of compassion, kindness, humility gentleness, and patience bearing with one another and forgiving each other whoever has a complaint see that's when Moses failed boy he had a complaint these people were driving him crazy because they kept disobeying, and it was hard on him; it was a burden actually to him. But if there's a complaint, we need to ask the Lord to help us to forgive. Because why? Because Jesus forgave us. That's why we have these examples about the unmerciful servant. You know, when he was forgiven so much, he had a grudge against someone; it was bothering him, picking out a fault. Someone picks out a fault in you, and you can't forgive, beloved or beyond rather all these things put on love which is the perfect bond of unity <clears throat> the sheep they have something in their nature that just they just want to be together that's the law of nature right? because when you have that when you have this heart of compassion and kindness and you just want to be together it doesn't feel good to be alone you just want to be with one another there's protection there's encouragement there's grace there and especially with the shepherd, he's in the midst it's the perfect bond of unity right? People, that's what people want to see. You know, people outside, they see you have that in your heart. There's, They want to be sheep like you. Because the other ones, they, they butt and shove shoulders like in Ezekiel 34. It says they shove with their shoulders and they push one another. They bite and devour each other. That's what they do. And Jesus says, I'm going to remove these, these false shepherds and these people who are butting, and I'm going to bring a true shepherd who's going to show them the way. And the way is with meekness and humility. Kindness, gentleness. People see that and they know they don't have it. That's what attracted me from the beginning. I saw this grace. I remember seeing it. So I remember how I just... My life, I wasn't happy. But I remember seeing someone that had grace. And I knew that they didn't have the grace. And I saw it and I thought, how can that happen? I want that. And I was attracted to it. And so I drew near and I like lost Like a strayed sheep, it says. And Peter will read that. Like, you all like strayed sheep. i drawn near to the shepherd. I just started... Lord drew me like a stray sheep. He's brought me back in. Because grace and truth. And if you have all the truth, I don't know if all, a lot of people are going to want that. You know, it scares them. It's like the law. But if you have truth and grace, that is, going to, that is going to be a witness and a testimony. And it says here that the peace of Christ should rule in your heart. That, like we were talking about, that's the witness. When you got peace, then you know that you're walking in grace. You lose your peace... To me, that's one of the first signs of whether the grace of God is in it. So it's like a judge, right? That word, rule, it means to arbitrate. You know, when you have an arbitrator, when there's a uh, division between two parties, you got two parties, and that happens in, in the spirit realm, right? With our people what we rub shoulders with, and if there's division, what happens is that our arbitrator, he says, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> I lost my peace. And you can feel the tension because someone's... Uh, tension between you and your, your friend, or whoever it is, right? And that arbitrator, is his name is Peace, and it's the Holy Spirit. And he says, I'm grieved. And he has to come in there, and he's trying to bring the arbitration and bring peace. And so we have to submit to what the Holy Spirit says. And the Holy Spirit says, I don't have peace. say, Lord, what is it? What do I need to do? Sometimes you get that, and you don't always know what to do. You think, I have peace, and I don't know why. But you lose your peace, and you say, Lord, why don't I have peace? Oh, it's because you made that comment. You said that little comment, and it caused the other person to say something back. And then you said something, and then all of a sudden... Yeah, this uh, tension. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit says, "Get your peace back. Humble yourself, right?" It always takes on lamb nature. He was slain. Humble yourself. I didn't, I shouldn't have spoke that way. And then it says, "The peace will return. Let it rule in your heart." To which indeed you were called. That's the calling of God. This is like saying, "This is the will of God." It says, "In which indeed you were called in one body." See that? Because here it's talking in the case of amongst brothers in a fellowship. When you lose your peace amongst a brother in a fellowship, we need to be like those lambs that come back, stick together, humble ourselves, and be thankful, it says again, right? I think probably the two things here, peace, uh, having your peace, and secondly, thankfulness. It's hard to be thankful when you lose your peace and you're frustrated. There it is again. But I think when you're walking in grace, grace has different... Uh, characteristics, thankfulness. There's a piece there that says, let the word of Christ dwell in you. That's the word that we're, we're hearing. It's the word of Christ that, that that Jesus heard that made him that lamb. It says the word became flesh. He was the lamb of God. The word became flesh. We remember who Christ was then we'll follow him. That's what the lambs do. When Jesus was speaking to the, the Jews in John 8, I was reading about it. And John 10, he said, you know, you guys are like, you're coming another way. You're coming another... You didn't come through the gate. You don't come... You don't like my word. Why can't you hear my word? He says, because you're not my sheep. You're not my sheep. That's why you can't hear them, my word. And so when we don't like his word, we're not really a sheep. But because we want to be a sheep, then when we hear his word, we follow him. And he said, my sheep, they follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. And if we see Jesus... The way he walked, crucified. When he was reviled, he never reviled. <clears throat> As it says, let's read that, finish that passage, 1 Peter chapter 2. The example that he left for us, verse 22 said, there was no deceit, it's like the guile. There is no guile in Jesus. When they beat him, Gal didn't spew out just his blood. That's all that they saw. Verse twenty three, when they when they said things about him, it didn't come back out. He didn't revile in return. And when he suffered, when you suffer, don't bring the threats. But look what he did. He kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. See that's faith. I see faith there. I see that he had total confidence that this was the will of God, that he was gonna be he was gonna to have to suffer. What he was trying to tell his disciples is, the Son of Man is gonna suffer. Learn the Lamb nature. Learn it in every circumstance where you're at, at home, at work, among the brothers, wherever you are, you have to learn that that is the way that is the way of Christ. The Lamb nature to be crucified. It says here he bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds, that, that lamb that was slain, by his wound, you he were healed. That's how we got the grace. That's how grace first came to us. That's when the life first came to us. If we tasted of His kindness, if we've tasted of His grace because of His wounds, then let's be crucified with Christ and receive this grace upon grace. right? Fullness. It says, For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the guardian of your souls. That's what we once were. Strayed sheep. We didn't like the, that. Being under the subjection of the shepherd, and we went our own way, and we lost all our peace, lost all our joy. We went astray to the flesh, and we got devoured by the enemy. And then Jesus called us back, and He brought us back to that flock where there's unity and peace and joy. And that's why we there's peace and that's why there's fellowship in Jesus because we have that that nature when we walk in Christ, humility and meekness, And and the grace of God just flows out. Let us have that grace, that witness, and that testimony. It says. Verse 8, chapter 3, that we need to be harm, harmonious and sympathetic and brotherly. These are all qualities of a sheep nature, I think. They live in harmony. They're brotherly, they're kind-hearted, humble in spirit. This the humble spirit that the Lord loves. Not returning evil for evil, evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing. You can, the greatest evidence that you have grace is when an enemy says something and you can bless instead. When someone says something to you, and you can return good rather than evil, that says here for you are called for that purpose. That's when you come to that place, then you know something's changed inside of you. Otherwise, you're the same old person because we can't do that. When someone says something bad or does something, uh, you crack a joke. Someone says something. The hardest ones are when it's like a joke, light joke, but it's partly serious, right? And then you just pull back. I find that's a hard area where you can respond in a way, just jab, right, rather than just be silent say something that's encouraging instead then you can inherit a blessing it says here let him who means to love life and see good days you want to have a good life see good days on earth with righteous peace and joy in your life refrain your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking out that's the guile there that's someone without grace oh they got lots of truth but no grace let him turn away from evil and do good seek peace seek that peace that's the, the lamb nature and pursue it the eyes of the lord are upon the righteous And his ears are attentive to their to their prayer. That's when the Lord, He says, "This is my son. Right, I'm going to do. I'm going to hear his prayers. I'll answer those prayers." And when it's talking about this, it gives us an example. Actually, here, see, if you should suffer, verse fourteen, for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. So God's going to allow you to go into situations where you might have to suffer. And it says that we don't have to fear their intimidation. See, what happens is when people try to put fear, intimidation, or say things, they they want to get reactions. I remember when I used to work at a, uh, it was was now EV logistics, it was like a cold search plant, and there was this big guy, and he was just full of the, the enemy, working through him, like, big time. And he'd always want to pick on me, and he'd make comments. And I wasn't even born again then, but I just knew that I was a... I believe that I was Christian. I knew I shouldn't s- say things back, but I wanted to. And I just remember he would always p- make comments at me, and I just felt like I should be silent. and I should just show kindness to him. So I did that. I remember doing that. And he would do this to all people there, and he would make people miserable, you know. And I just remember I would just like I wouldn't let it bother me. I just wouldn't. It's like yeah. when someone pokes you, and you just ah, you get angry, and I wouldn't let it bother you. I' It's like no, I'm not gonna let it bother me inside. You're burning inside. It just makes you mad, but you just don't say anything and just smile hey, I was, you know, I'll just talk normally to him. Like it's like he's, like he's looking at you and he's speaking to you, but you're not even there. And pretty soon he doesn't, he stopped doing it because he wasn't getting a reaction. It didn't, give him, it didn't give him the joy. It's like the devil. He gets the joy out of tormenting people. And he's trying to torment, but I didn't let it bother me. And I remember to this day because I, I remember how it worked. It's like, man, it's amazing. You know, he, doesn't, he doesn't do it to me the same because he sees that it doesn't bother me. And that's the victory, right? So it says, don't fear their intimidation. Don't be troubled. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. Don't let, don't react the way the world reacts. And people poke you like that. Just speak the way Jesus would speak. Say, Lord, how would you respond to the situation? And you need to be ready to make a defense people persecute you or speak about evil about you because of Jesus. And we can give an account of the hope within us, but we can do it with grace. It says here with gentleness and reverence. gentleness. That's grace. It's That's fruit of the Spirit. When you have that in you, then people know, because, you know, when the martyrs in this early centuries, when they were martyred, did they fight? No. It was the blood of the, the martyrs that was the seed of the saints. When they sent the lions and the wild animals, they just, they just was, be tormented, crucified or burned at the stake or, whatever they did, and it was a witness for Jesus because they didn't fight back. In the same way, when people we don't. We're not martyred today like they are back then. But people can do that with the way they speak to you, and you can be like one, just burning at the stake, and just you can just speak with a word of grace, and you can just speak with reverence, and you can have a good conscience in it. Because again, when you don't speak with grace and you lose your peace, that's when your conscience says, "Ah, excuse me." I have, uh, the arbitrator comes, and so it says that when you do that, and you keep a good conscience in the thing which you are slandered when they say something about you. When they revile your good behavior in Christ, they're going to be put to shame. What happens is, they get shame on them. The Holy Spirit just works that way. See, now you don't have to try and condemn them. You don't have to get the last word. Just let the Holy Spirit do the work. You see how that's faith? Because when we don't have faith, we don't believe. And so we don't think, oh, nothing's going to change ever. That's what I thought at home, when I had uh, strife in my relationships, my parents, and I thought, I. They say this and I'll say this. Then the Lord says, no, you just obey. You humble yourself. You do do what's right. And then all of a sudden the shame comes on them and the Holy Spirit convicts. That's how it works. Because it's better if God should will it so, and often He does, that you should suffer and do what's right even if they do what's wrong. That's not what it says, but I'm just saying that in this situation here. If you do what's right, even if they're doing what's wrong. Because that's uh, what Jesus did when he went to the cross. They were doing wrong, but did he fight them? No, he says, I'm going to the cross. Because God is going to show them the way. This is the way. The Lamb's way. The Lamb. Behold the Lamb. What did he do? Even when they were slandered him, they reviled him, it says in verse 18, for Christ also. Christ also. You see, that's the one we follow. Died for sins. It says, once for all, the just for the unjust. That is how you know you're, you're following Christ, that you're a true lamb of God, true sheep, one that follows Christ. When you do what's right, and someone else does what's wrong, and you have grace in your life, and it bears witness.